Welcome to the Jam Pack Report today for July the 16th of 2023. My name is Jam Pack Sam and we are not talking about the FTC versus Microsoft case because that's still ongoing. I'm recording this on Friday the 14th. Things are falling apart or coming together depending on who you're rooting for as we speak, so I'm going to hold off and talk about that next week. But we have today the ID at Xbox Showcase hosted by IGN, plenty of big announcements coming from that. EA is working on a new Black Panther game and more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Before we get going, I said I wasn't going to talk about the FTC versus Microsoft case on this show, but I have been talking about it all week long. I was on the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast, invited by Joe and also joined by Baron from Level 1 Gaming. We had an awesome time breaking down this news and going back and forth with different perspectives. Obviously, they're a PlayStation podcast. I'm an Xbox guy primarily, and so it was a really good conversation around what this means for the future of the industry, what PlayStation's approach is going to be, and how they respond to this massive shift for the industry overall. But I was also on Project X Talk, the podcast that I host with Kevin Ainsworth every single Thursday. We broke down the news there as well and talked about some stories too. So if you want to check out my thoughts on the FTC versus Microsoft case, those are two different ways you can do that. And there were awesome shows all around. So enjoy. Now we head over to IGN with the ID at Xbox Showcase recap. And if you missed it, ID at Xbox did team up with IGN to make this showcase happen. It was hosted on the IGN set, and I believe Brian Altano did some writing on the project. And I just wanted to call out that the IGN team absolutely nailed it with this entire presentation. It wasn't too long, wasn't too short. We got a deeper look at some gameplay after the main presentation was done. It just did everything very, very well. And on top of that, it was actually packed with some pretty solid announcements. And this recap article from IGN doesn't hit on every single game that was shown off. So if you haven't checked it out and you do want to see all of the games that were shown, then you should definitely go back, watch it for yourself. I think it runs about 45 minutes, so not too long in the tooth, but definitely enough to go in there and dig your teeth into. Now, Taylor Lyles at IGN writes, Microsoft just held its latest ID at Xbox showcase, highlighting a slew of indie games that will make their way onto Xbox platforms. While this is not saying all these games will be console exclusive, Xbox wanted to highlight just a handful of some of the many wonderful indie titles that fans can look forward to in the future. If you missed the showcase, don't worry. Here's a roundup of all the games that appeared at the event. First up, we have Karateka. ID at Xbox had two world premieres during their show, one of which was Karateka, but more specifically, Digital Eclipse announced was doing a series of interactive documentaries titled the Gold Master Series. In the first one, the making of Karateka will focus on the 8-bit 1984 action game, you guessed it, Karateka. Now, if you haven't seen what Digital Eclipse is doing, game preservation is at the heart of every project they've taken on that I have seen. Uh, And the most recent is actually the Atari Anniversary Celebration. This is celebrating 50 years of Atari. And the unique thing about this is that They don't just focus on bringing all of these games together in a collection or even remastering them or remaking them, although elements of all of those are present here. It's about giving you hands-on experience with the games, but also giving you video interviews, giving you behind-the-scenes looks with early photos of things, especially in the Atari 50 example, uh, like the first Pong machine and then how they evolved, how asteroids came to be, then how we see Lunar Lander come to be. And so now, with this Goldmaster series, it looks like they're continuing 
continuing that journey, continuing that project to try and bring awareness and, I suppose, uh, create a historical interactive documentary for not only one game, but multiple different older games across the industry. Because so many of these can just be forgotten to time after 5, 10, 15 years. And Karateka is one that I had never heard of. But clearly, after seeing just a quick couple of snippets of the interviews, this is a very big deal. This provided inspiration for so many of the games that we have today and the creators that are making those games. So Karateka is going to be launching later this year, specifically the making of Karateka, uh, if you are also interested in the game preservation side of things. Then we have Monolith Requiem of the Ancients. This is the second world premiere from ID at Xbox during the show, and Monolith Requiem of the Ancients is an upcoming open-world action game from Colombian developer C2 Game Studio, serving as the studio's first project. Uh, And I'll say I'm pretty impressed with what we're seeing here, considering this is the studio's first project. It is on par with what we are seeing from games like Death's Door or Cocoon in terms of visual fidelity. Uh, obviously, it is going to be an indie game, so don't expect it to be on that double-A level quite yet. This is a studio's first game. But seeing this level of gameplay, of complexity in the world, the textures look really nice. Uh, I thought this was a great one to open up the show with. So check that one out. I believe it's going to be launching sometime next year, according to the article. Then we have Stray Souls. This takes inspiration from Resident Evil. It takes a little bit of Alan Wake. You see some of the creepy vibes from the medium thrown in there. Uh, But this is a new indie horror game from Jakai Studio that was unveiled in 2021 and is being built in Unreal Engine 5. And it follows the story of Daniel, a teenager who recently inherited a house from his grandmother. And as Ryan McCaffrey puts it over at IGN, the real estate dream quickly turns into a nightmare when the sun goes down and all hell starts to break loose. So if you like the indie horror scene, which has been flourishing in recent years with tons of different projects, one of which we'll talk about more in a couple of moments, uh, then this is definitely one to keep on your radar. When you look at the facial expressions, when you look at some of the set pieces in the house, definitely some of that indie jank thrown in there. Yet to be seen how much of that will be polished out when the game eventually launches this fall. But again, shots like this where you're walking in the woods uh, almost has that look of the indie game that was supposedly coming out. It was going to be uh, potentially a Kojima project. They confirmed Kojima was not on it. I forget what it is. I'll edit it in here. The game I was talking about is Abandoned by Blue Box. And this is pretty much canceled in perpetuity at this point. But it's a game Kojima came out and actually dismissed, calling it a nuisance, saying he is not working on it, uh, which is very embarrassing for the developers, almost as embarrassing as the amount of ads Eurogamer has on this article, but I digress. So it has some elements of that game, but if you do want to dive in and check out some of that Resident Evil Alan Wake medium action, Stray Souls is launching later this fall. We also have Axiom Verge 2 now available on Xbox. This was a same-day drop as soon as it made its debut at the showcase, and you can buy it in a bundle with the original Axiom Verge. Uh, This is a very big indie game if you're into the platformer scene, the Metroidvania scene, and it was shocking that it wasn't on Xbox until now. Honestly, it had kind of slipped my mind that it wasn't available there, uh, but better late than never. So if you do want to check out Axiom Verge, it's gotten very good reviews. 7 out of 10 from IGN. I think the general consensus is that it's not as good as the original, but it's a solid follow-up with a nice art style if you are into that kind of thing. And the review over at IGN says, Axiom Verge 2 is a dual-dimensional Metroidvania that's engaging to explore despite its one-dimensional combat and underwhelming boss fights. Then we have Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Gun Interactive, the creators of Friday the 13th, the game, are making another asymmetrical multiplayer horror game. 
based on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film franchise. The gameplay will be familiar to those that played Friday the 13th, The Game, or Dead by Daylight. Today's showcase provided another look at the horror game before its August 18th release, and Xbox fans will be happy to know it will be available day one with Xbox Game Pass. And that is something we had known uh, for a while at this point. But I always talk about this game in the context of Game Pass because it is going to thrive more than it would have if it had been released without launching into Game Pass. Because this type of asymmetrical horror game relies heavily on you having friends to play it with. If you want to get the most out of this experience, you really need to run it with a squad. Because that's just the fun that's being had. You're all running from a group of killers. Or you are trying to kill a group of survivors as a team. And so playing it independently or solo is going to be fine. I'm sure that's how I'm going to be spending the majority of my time playing it. But the fact that it is going to be on Game Pass on day one immediately makes it so that you have more friends that probably would be willing to dive into it rather than having to pay 30 40 or even 50 60 or 70 dollars to pick it up on day one so it does mix up the setup a little bit typically asymmetrical horror games are one versus four or a setup like that now you've got three v four so the odds are a little bit more even uh, with more players in each round but texas chainsaw massacre very cool franchise and i'm glad to see it getting a new entry in the gaming world uh, that honestly looks pretty good i'm excited to see the gun interactive is back at it and friday the 13th the game suffered from some uh very bad ip legal issues that ended up i believe shutting it down uh, after a while But, hey, it continues to live on in the form of games like Dead by Daylight, at least not literally, but by spirit. Then we have Hellboy Web of Weird. This was announced at the 2022 Game Awards, and Hellboy Web of Weird is an upcoming roguelike developed by Upstream Arcade. Today's showcase provided fans of Hellboy with a new trailer and a deep dive into the gameplay. And I'm excited about this one because it is the first publishing project from Dark Horse Comics. Of course, they're famous for a lot of the statues that we see for a lot of famous things across movies, TV, and games. And while this is definitely not going to be a game for everyone, it's cool to see a Hellboy game that throws itself into what it is. Like, this is a comic-based game visually, and on top of that, uh, the experience that it brings is clearly packed with action. It really looks like it's going to be a moving comic book. And Hellboy is an IP that definitely deserves more love and recognition. I know that uh, the old Ron Perlman movies are some of those classics that people love to dig into. So this game is on the way. Again, announced last year at the Game Awards, but we are getting a new trailer and a deeper dive into the gameplay very, very soon. We also see Myth Force. This is an online multiplayer co-op game arriving on Xbox, PC, PlayStation, and Switch on September the 12th. And this is a game that kind of looks like a Saturday morning cartoon. And uh, whether you like that kind of thing or not, it's definitely doing something that's unique. Kind of has some elements of Borderlands thrown in there where it is a co-op game with this comic book slash animated kind of art style. But not only did we get more gameplay, but we also got the release date of September the 12th. So that's great to see. I know the one thing that I said on Project X Talk is that it would be awesome to see this game land on Game Pass because it is a co-op game. It would be great to have more friends that are willing to dive in. And just because of the art style, it's probably not something that's going to be hitting a wide breadth of the gaming audience. I would love to check it out. I just don't know if this is going to be at the top of the roster, especially launching September the 12th, which is in the middle of one of the busiest seasons in gaming. So 
I would cross my fingers for a Game Pass drop. I even said that it would be cool to see a drop on a Saturday, do like a Saturday morning cartoon kind of activation, uh, just to capitalize on the look of the game and the experience that it's trying to deliver. So maybe that'll happen, maybe it won't. We'll see what goes down. But here is a quick rundown of all of the games that were shown off. We have Sea of Stars, Solace State, Scarlet Deer Inn, Second Wave, Rain World Downpour, which is out now as well. Vampire Survivors co-op update also got a bit of the spotlight. Jackbox Party Pack 10, Everspace 2, which Luke Lore, friend of the show, over on the Xbox Expansion Pass, interviewed that dev team. Definitely go check that out. But I'm excited about Everspace 2, probably in my top five indie-level games that I want to check out for the rest of the year. Uh, I love a good space shooter. We also got Wordless, Roman Sands, Stumble Guys, which is the Fall Guys knockoff that also adds a couple of new elements in there, Birth, and Dungeons of Hitterberg. So really robust showcase from the ID at Xbox team. Again, IGN knocked it out of the park highlighting these games and really giving them some time in the spotlight uh, on a big stage like the IGN audience. So kudos to everybody involved and a fantastic show all around id at xbox is cooking up some awesome projects and whether you play them on xbox whether they land on game pass or whether you're just buying them on your platform of choice it is just cool to see more games getting into the hands of more players Next up, Marvel Games over on Twitter writes, Marvel Games and EA's latest studio, Cliffhanger Games, are proud to announce a new original third-person single-player Black Panther title is in development, and you can read more now, and you know we absolutely will. They write, new EA studio Cliffhanger Games announces an upcoming title based on Marvel's Black Panther. As we celebrate the 57th anniversary of Black Panther's comic debut this July, we are thrilled to announce Cliffhanger Games, a new AAA development studio based in Seattle, is working on an original third-person single-player Black Panther game in collaboration with Marvel Games. Their mission is to build an expansive and reactive world that empowers players to experience what it is like to take on the mantle of Wakanda's protector, the Black Panther. Led by Kevin Stevens, Monolith Productions, Cliffhanger has already brought together accomplished talent with leaders from the critically acclaimed and innovative action-adventure game Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor, along with veterans of top franchises including Halo Infinite, God of War, Call of Duty, and others. They write, We are dedicated to delivering fans a definitive and authentic Black Panther experience, giving them more agency and control over their narrative than they have ever experienced in a story-driven video game. Wakanda is a rich superhero sandbox, and our mission is to develop an epic world for players who love Black Panther and want to explore the world of Wakanda as much as we do, said Kevin Stevens. The development team at Cliffhanger Games will be working in partnership with Marvel Games to ensure that we craft every aspect of Wakanda, its technology, its heroes, and our own original story with the attention to detail and authenticity that the world of Black Panther deserves. It's an incredibly rare opportunity to build a new team around the values of diversity, collaboration, and empowerment. We want our game to enable players to feel what it's like to be worthy of the Black Panther mantle in its unique, story-driven ways, and we want Cliffhanger Games to empower everyone on our team as we collaborate to bring this amazing world to life. So, a couple of different things to break down here. Number one, it's a superhero game. You know it's going to kill it as far as money goes. If it is a good game, that is the big if there. It's got to deliver on being a great experience, and it's got to feel good. Now, you have teammates that worked on Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor. That's some great combat. That's some really good gameplay, and so that gives me hope uh, for what's to come. However, and I said this on Project X Talk as well, this is a situation where you have a talented group of developers all being brought together under Cliffhanger Games, 
but that is not directly saying that the product they put out is going to be reflective of the projects they've worked on before. You can't say, I got a developer that worked on God of War, and that automatically make Black Panther on the God of War level. It very well could be, but we can't assume that a new team that's never worked directly together before and that's been successful on disparate other projects is going to be able to replicate those successes on one big project because sometimes team cohesion is iffy, sometimes management is different. No situation in the development world is the same as another. They're all unique scenarios. And so they could have something really nice here, I just want to be cautiously optimistic. That's the way that I always approach this kind of thing. But Black Panther game, very cool. I know the Captain America Black Panther game is also on the way. Uh, who knows what other stuff is coming? EA is working on an Iron Man game. Uh, it seems like Electronic Arts is definitely throwing themselves into this Marvel relationship. And hopefully, again, hopefully... It pans out to create some awesome games that do these IP justice. I mean, Iron Man's massive, Black Panther's massive. Uh, Hopefully these games, in collaboration with Marvel Games, are going to be able to match that need and fit that bill for what fans expect. Next up, it looks like a Need for Speed Most Wanted remake could be on the way for 2024, according to a voice actor who was in the original game. Jordan Midler over at VGC writes, In a since-deleted social media post, which you can read below, Simone Bailey, who voiced a character in the original game, claimed that a remake is in the works and due to be released in 2024. In the post, Bailey tagged Criterion Games, seemingly suggesting the EA studio is involved in the project. It's worth noting that Bailey is likely referring to the 2005 Need for Speed Most Wanted in which she appeared, not the version that was released in 2012. Developed by EA Canada and the now-defunct EA Black Box, the 2005 game was released for PS2, Xbox, GameCube, Nintendo DS, PC, Game Boy Advance, and Xbox 360. A spin-off, Need for Speed Most Wanted 510, was released for PSP in the same year. EA announced in February 2020 that it had handed Need for Speed development duties back to Criterion Games as it planned to restructure Ghost Games, which had made previous four entries, or I should say the previous four entries, in the racing franchise. I'm excited about this, and as somebody who's been going back and playing more Need for Speed lately, I got a copy of Underground 2 on the original Xbox, I've been playing some Need for Speed Unbound as well, just to see what the latest in the franchise is looking like. It's on Game Pass now, thanks to EA Play 2 if you have Ultimate. I'm excited. Most Wanted is a great classic racing game that a lot of fans have a lot of love for. And following the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit remake that came out in 2020, uh, it would be nice to see these memories kind of brought to the limelight again and brought uh, with a modern coat of paint. I think that's what a lot of people really want. So uh, the question is, will it land in 2024? Is this more of a potential project that could be in the works and they're just gauging interest? Uh, Because the voice actor that uh, posted this kind of framed it in a weird way. Need for Speed Most Wanted remake is being released in 2024. Like and comment if you want to see Cross and his partner hunt down the most wanted. Saying if, and again, I could just be reading into it too much, feels like it's not certain, could just be a post trying to drive engagement on Instagram, depends on how you want to break it down. But no matter how you cut it, it would be awesome to see a Need for Speed Most Wanted remake, so hopefully that is on the way. But until then, we've got plenty of games to play thanks to the biggest content drop in history on Xbox next week with over 1,400 retro games on the way as part of AntStream Arcade. And this is big for a number of reasons, but this is a cloud streaming service that's going to be available on Xbox. 
Over at Pure Xbox, they write, We're getting a pretty huge new addition to Xbox next week in the form of AntStream Arcade, which is bringing over 1,400 retro games to the platform as a part of its cloud streaming service, including some PlayStation and Nintendo titles that will be playable on Xbox for the very first time. Launching on July 21st, Anstream Arcade will feature early Atari releases through Commodore, Sega, Nintendo, and original PlayStation-era games. You'll be able to stream them all on your Xbox console, complete with instant cloud game saves, online high scores, and resume play features across multiple devices. Here's what Sarah Bond has to say about the announcement. She says... Many of us grew up playing these games, so the ability to stream them on Xbox consoles and share these experiences with our friends and family is incredible. We are pleased that with Microsoft for Startups, Founders Hub Technology Benefits, and Azure Cloud Services, we can help enable Anstream to reach more players. Xbox will be the first major console to support Anstream Arcade natively, although that does not mean local downloads, and it'll also be the world's first third-party cloud gaming service to feature on Xbox. Antstream Arcade will be available to pre-order later today on the Microsoft Store for $29.99 annually or $79.99 for lifetime access and a live stream is taking place at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, so that should be in the past at this point when you're watching this. But uh, Antstream Arcade is awesome. I think this is, once again, great for game preservation. Uh, It's great for people to want to explore older games and new franchises. I mean, just in this screenshot right here, I know that I saw Mortal Kombat floating around somewhere in one of these yeah so we have mortal Kombat right here in the fighting games lineup the capability for somebody to check out something like mortal Kombat 11 going into mortal Kombat 1 they say i want to go back to the roots there you go and stream arcade has you covered and for a lifetime license of 79 bucks i mean that's the the digital deluxe edition of a new triple a game 1400 retro games for 79.99 that's a good deal now I'll also say with the cloud gaming element being baked in there, there is no guarantee that this service will be around forever. Once it shuts down, if it shuts down, your $79.99 could just be gone forever. Will they give players the options to check out these games, download ROMs? Uh, Probably not. I don't know what the licensing on the back end looks like here either. But it's awesome to see these games becoming more available in general for streamers that want to showcase older games or even for people that just want to dive into games they played in their childhood. Antrim Arcade is going to let you do that without having to need a PC with ROMs or some kind of back-end side-loading workaround. It just simply works with a subscription that's reasonably priced when you consider how many games you get. So congrats to the Antstream Arcade team. I know a ton of people are going to be very excited to dive into that. But to round out today's show, the Access Controller for PlayStation 5 launches globally on December the 6th, and I love this kind of project. If you do want to get your hands on one, you can pick one up starting on July the 21st via pre-order, again, ahead of that launch later this December. This is the accessibility controller that meets players where they are. If you need to pop off buttons and move them around, you can totally do that. Depending on what kind of paddle you might need, you can see tons of different options here as well. You've got different analog stick variations too, and the best part is, it is very affordable for what you're getting. They write, available for a suggested retail price of $89.99 USD. The Access Controller lets you customize your layout with different button and stick caps in various shapes and designs, operate the controller from any 360-degree orientation, and connect third-party accessibility accessories using its four industry-standard 3.5mm expansion ports. That is exactly what this controller needs to be. And you guys know I'm one for 
getting more people playing more games, whether it's through the retro and stream arcade service that we just talked about, uh, whether it's through the acquisition discussions that we've been having around Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard or functionally uh, with the access controller here and with Microsoft, they have their own accessibility controller out there as well. Uh, Just seeing these projects happen, I think that PlayStation, uh, you know, this is a better late than ever scenario where I wish it would have come out even sooner just to get more people enjoying these new next generation experiences we're seeing on PlayStation 5. But really cool project here. I definitely want to see what people in this community have to say, if they have any suggestions of how the design can be improved, because obviously I'm not the person that's going to be using this. I want to hear directly from the players out there. Maybe I'll even try to to pull one uh, of those together on the show and maybe do an interview with somebody that might want to get their hands on this. I think that'd be really neat. Uh, So congrats to the PlayStation team and to the players out there that are now going to be able to dive in thanks to the accessibility controllers that are finally hitting the market. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you're new here and you enjoy what you see or what you hear, be sure to drop a like on the YouTube video or add the show to your podcast feed of choice and get it delivered right to you every single Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. It's always a great time with some great conversations. And if you do want to check out those other podcasts I mentioned at the beginning of the show, links will be down below. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. I'll talk to you soon. And as always, keep on playing.